Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Today on 30 Minutes, we'll continue with excerpts from the 2016 Tucson Festival of Books. Americans All, Breaking the Color Barrier in Mainstream Publishing, features authors Kathy Camper and Meg Medina discussing their processes, challenges, and successes and making literature more representative and accessible. It was held at the Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raices Pavilion. This is part two of a two-part series. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. The presentations you see here are brought to you by Nuestras Raices, a Pima County Public Library program that builds community by celebrating Mexican-American authors, arts, and culture. The following presentation and all those in our tent are made possible by the generous support of the Friends of the Pima County Public Library. Our next presentation is Americans All, Breaking the Color Barrier in Mainstream Publishing. Authors Kathy Camper and Meg Medina will share strategies for creating and promoting best-selling teen and children's fiction featuring strong, diverse protagonists. And now I'd like to introduce your moderator for this presentation, Gina Macalusa. I'm Gina Macalusa. I'm an assistant professor at the School of Information here at the University of Arizona. And I run a program called Knowledge River. And Knowledge River recruits people who are committed to serving Latino and Native American needs in the information field. So as Margie said, we have today Kathy Camper, who is the author of Lowriders in Space, and a new book coming out in April, I believe, Lowriders to the Center of the Earth. Kathy is a librarian, public librarian, who that is near and dear to my heart, as I was a public librarian for 27 years, um, and she's from Portland, Oregon. Next, we will have Meg Medina, um, and she is the author of several books, both children, picture books, and teen books. And she will be speaking today about a book she wrote called Yaki Delgada Wants to Kick Your Ass. She is an award-winning Cuban-American author whose works examine how culture intersects, specifically as seen through the eyes of young people. So I'm going to turn it over to Kathy and Meg, and we'll start from there. Hello. <laughs> okay. Should we just start to introduce ourselves and where our work sort of places it. Okay, so I do write picture book, middle grade, and YA fiction. I'm most known for Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass because of the title and um, because it so far has been the most successful of my books in terms of naming high school experience, bullying, and that kind of thing. The book that's here today is Burn Baby Burn, which just came out, which is set in 1977 in New York at the height of the disco era. Most people know me as a Latina writer because I write in celebration of family as seen through the lens of Latino families. And so why is that so crucial, right? It's true that many things are universal about all families, but I find, and maybe Kathy, you'll speak to this as well, is that I'm also writing against stereotype of our families. So I try to create casts of characters and situations that really reflect who we are so that we're not reduced to stereotypes like 
the super sexy Latina lady and, you know, all of those kinds of things, but that we really have examples not only for our own youth, but for non-Latino youth to get a window into what our culture is. So um, I'm Kathy Camper, and I'm not Latina, I'm Arab American, but I am a public librarian and I do outreach to kids. And I ended up writing my graphic novel, Lowriders in Space, because I was so angry that I didn't have this book to give to kids. And I was also equally angry at the publishing world. Um, this was back in about 2006. More recently, we've had something that's come out called We Need Diverse Books. So we're in a very fluid, changing time for the better, I hope. I was really fed up with how publishers play people of color and people trying to change. And so when I went forward with my book, I kind of had three plans. One was that I wanted a book that would reach English and Spanish speaking kids and also boys because there's a lot of women in publishing and in libraries and schools and that's kind of affected what gets published. And I also wanted to do a comic or graphic novel and then the the second thing I wanted to do, I had published a book before this about giant prehistoric insects, but I wanted to take all the privilege and connections I could that I had and use them to bring somebody else into the field. So my artist, who's fantastic, his name is Raul Gonzalez, and he lives in Boston. I said, I'm going to fight to have you come in with me. And this is not the standard in picture books. You are not supposed to bring in an artist with you. But I thought, you know, I don't want to just put a book out there. I want to change things behind the scene. And by bringing in more people, that's, that's how we change it. And then the third thing that Raul and I both felt very strongly, I work doing outreach to kids as a librarian, and he works doing outreach to kids for museums. He goes out and works doing art with kids. So we both had this in our hearts that our book would go forward and set an example for kids that they can do it themselves. So Raul drew everything in Lowriders in Space is drawn with big pens. You know the kind of pens you have in school. I also included a glossary in the book so that the book would be accessible to kids anywhere because for example I serve incarcerated kids and you can't get on the internet if you're incarcerated and you, you might not even be able to get a dictionary. So I was trying to think of all the ways the book could empower kids and reach them. And both of you started to talk a little bit about this. Most people don't think there's a lot of research that goes on when you're writing fiction, but there's a great deal of research. As you started to mention, can you talk a little bit about that? How you do it, when you do it, what do you use to do your research? Because there's a lot of research I can see in both books just from a librarian's yeah. point of view. I think it was fun for me to do research because I went to lowrider car shows and <laughs> I did a lot of things that don't even seem like research. Um, also, I want to just give a shout out for YouTube. There's a lot of wonderful videos you can watch and I watched a lot of um, really fun ones of Latino kids talking, um, just little short videos that they do, but I just, indulged in everything I could find. I read everything I could find about lowriders. I talked to people, although I discovered a lot of guys are pretty tight-lipped because it's sort of secret. It's, you know, this is my culture and my, my car and I don't want other people to know what I did. But um, that said, I, I also um, 
Raul and I also had to work a lot on the comic side because our book goes into that field. So um, we were also influenced by a lot of comic book people, and we both have a real goofy sort of over-the-top feel about it. When I first talked to my editor about this, the first phone conversation I had with her, she goes, now it bothers me that they're not wearing space helmets and they're in outer space. (laughs) And you know, she hadn't seen all the drawings and there was kind of a pause because I thought, oh my God, if she's if that's what she wants, that's not going to fly. So I said, you know Bugs Bunny and, um, you know, like the roadrunner when he runs off the cliff and doesn't fall until he looks? And then she goes, oh, oh, I have to rewrite what I said to you. But I also did a lot of listening, and I was really graced by that. I know a lot of Latina librarians and had them read over things. I have two good friends, one from California and one from Texas, so I have them both read everything that I write, and I have a third friend that grew up in East LA so I have heard be the tiebreaker sometimes we've had some really cool discussions I'm not fluent in Spanish I took some community ed classes but for example in book two we were trying to find the word for loudspeaker and we came up with five different words in Spanish and I was sitting at the table and I wasn't even saying anything but all these librarians were talking about when and what they use and what would be most appropriate And um, I love that, that the book um, has this kind of research part where people are involved, but, you know, it's making people connect that way. And then also people have started coming up to me and saying, Kathy, I want you to put this in the next book. So sometimes I get stories that way. And then also Raul adds a lot of his own stuff. And as I said, this is his, when I first sent him the script, he emailed me back and we had never met. And he said, this is the story I wanted to read as a kid. And he right away was sending me the pictures of the characters. So we had this amazing kind of same vision. We both have a good work ethic together. As a collaboration, it's been really wonderful. But I'm really thrilled that he can put his story into it. And I think that adds so much. All right, before I answer the the history thing, I'm thinking of Spanglish as a topic. So I'm going to just throw this out there because I get a lot of grief. (laughs) for Spanglish in my book. And here's the thing. There are words for loudspeaker, for cake, for bottled water. There there are all these things. And there's also un loudspeaker. You know, like there's all of these ways that we have learned to communicate. And language is elastic. And so I think that we should be okay with representing how we actually speak to each other. So in my books, there's always these sort of, you know, in and out of Spanish and English, and I do embrace Spanglish, and I'm sort of shameless about it. So, all right, back to history, is that there is no stranger period than 1970s in New York City. (laughs) What a weirdo place, you know, it was the fashions, all of that. I, so I here, here are just some things that I did. I looked up all of the billboard charts, the music charts for what was playing on any given year. I looked over TV guides, like actual TV guides to find out what was playing on Saturday night at 8 p.m. on such and such a date when X was happening. I went into the National Organization of Women. Um, They had their archives of all their marches and, and all of that stuff. It's housed at NYU. So they gave me a letter of permission to go in there. 
and it's in this room that has like all the counterculture stuff that's ever happened in this country. So the Communist Party of the United States, like all these places, my mother would probably be screaming, you know, in her grave. But there I was with little gloves on and figuring out all of these pieces of paper. And what's amazing is that, especially for the women's movement, there were marches where thousands of women were in the streets and then the New York Times just gave it the tiniest little mention or the Daily News gave it the tiniest little mention. So those were really empowering moments where I could put this information in a book for young women or about young women's lives and have them really see the movement as it was. I looked up JCPenney catalogs and maps of Flushing at the time. I read all of the accounts of the Son of Sam murders in live time so that I could experience it the way we would have experienced finding out about it. Today, with cell phones, with uh, the internet, we know instantaneously when something has happened. But that wasn't the case in 1977. There was always this lag of at least a day. And so I had to account for all of that in the plot for when Nora would know and what was being reported. So. You know, it was really exciting. I got a chance to talk with a very elderly man who, who had served on the police force trying to track down Son of Sam. And he was able to tell me what the police knew that was not released to the public for a long time. So, I mean, I am not a historian. I didn't think of myself as writing, you know, as coming to it from that end. But it's intoxicating. You cannot stop. Once you start the research, you're like, how fantastic is this? So hopefully the trick is that once you have all of that and you have all these files and binders and you, you've, your eyes are bleeding because you've seen what a velour his and her jumpsuit looks like, <laughs> once you get past that, what do you do with it? And how do you lay that into a novel so that it moves the novel but it doesn't trip up the reader, like that you're the sticking these details on? That's really where the devil is. So where did you find access to all those materials? The Library of Congress, New York Public Library, microfiche. I went back and zzzz, like that whole thing for hours at a time. My sister was an early feminist, so she has in her closet every Ms. Magazine from 1976 through 78, carefully stored in little plastic things. She was like an encyclopedia. And just the internet is invaluable. And librarians, you people are amazing. Because if I wanted to know something and I couldn't find it and I asked them for it, I found out that they wanted to know more. You know, like then they were on a mission and that was all I needed. Yeah. You're listening to remarks made at the 2016 Tucson Festival of Books at the panel American Zaw, Breaking the Color Barrier in Mainstream Publishing on 30 Minutes. 91.3 KXCI Tucson. And I, I want to add to what Meg said, because I think it's a wonderful adventure. You know, when I was at the mission and I was sitting in that lowrider car and he made it hot, I mean, that was the first time I'd been in a lowrider, but I had been writing it, and I'm like, this is exactly what I was writing about. And I'm, I'm like giggling, and I'm also thinking, I made this dream come true. I mean, you know, I tell kids that 
both Raul and I come from a very DIY, like do it yourself. We met through doing zines, which are little magazines that you self-publish. And I also teach a class in zines to work with teens. And I tell kids, the adventures you create for yourself that way are exactly the same and, and will lead you in as many amazing places as the ones that are the big ones like American Idol. You know, so Meg can probably say there's people you meet, there's places you go that you're like, how did I get here? How did this happen? This is amazing. And another thing I'll say that I'm noticing as I'm getting older is that many of the people that you knew as kids, as you get older, those are wonderful resources for you. And you have this network, especially if you are creative, of other creative people that can back you up and help you. So oftentimes it's your family or friends that are good resources too. The one request I have of everybody is to make sure you go to your libraries and bookstores and ask for books from diverse authors. Read them, buy them, share them, share new authors and new voices because they have to get sold. We have, there is a market for them. But it has to be proven because that excuse is often used. Well, we can't take too many authors of this group or that group because they won't sell as not all of that. It's not true, but I remind folks all the time, please broaden your palette, take a risk on voices from all kinds of countries and cultures, and ask for them at the library and at your bookstore. Yeah, because I, I also, um, Meg can probably talk about this, but when we go to school presentations and events, you know, I'll sometimes hear teachers say, well, I don't have Latina kids, so I don't need your book. And it's like, yes, you do. You do, especially because of that. So books are a really good place for people to learn about things way beyond their experience in all ways. And the world that kids are going to is not our world today. Like one statistic I think is really interesting from the census is that the fastest growing ethnicity is multicultural, mixed race. So what we think of as our cultures, what we think of as races today will not be the same for kids in the future. And the world they live in with the internet, even if you're in a very white place like Portland, you need to know how to interact with people all over the world. So I agree, books are a fantastic way to do that. And just because a book has Latino or Latino characters doesn't mean it wouldn't appeal to other people because the, the story behind each of your books are things that all people feel. Bullying, it's not, it's not just one culture, it's all cultures. Children can learn from all kinds of books, as you were just saying. And both, we have about 15 minutes, so I will be taking questions in just a minute, but I wanted to pose one other question to the panelists. Both of you have a beautiful sense of place in your books. One of them is very descriptive in the fiction books, and one of them was very descriptive in the pictures. You want to just speak to a little bit about that? I think for writers sometimes, in your mind, when you think of your own childhood, there is a place and an age. You, pr you could probably do this yourself, your own little experiment. Just close your eyes and think of yourself at 10, at 6, at 8, at your favorite age. And there's a place that you associate with that very deeply. So for me, it was Queens, New York, because I grew up there with my mother and my sister. And when I think of childhood, when I'm writing children's book, I often go there, even though I have lived in Virginia for 17 years. But place shapes everything, right? Place shapes point of view, experiences, tone of voice 
what your resources are, what your threats are. And so I think for because I knew Queen so intimately, I, I returned there all the time. And I think it feels authentic because it was authentic to me. Yeah, like I said, Raul brought his his childhood and I was sort of laughing because when I was originally thinking of the book I was thinking of California living in Portland but if you're working with an illustrator you have to give up a lot because you can't say this character has to be this way and this way and um, like I said we had a natural flow I think in terms of place though we did look at a lot of illustrators both of us are huge fans of George Harriman who did Crazy Cat comics and if you've never seen Crazy Cat it was in the 30s and 40s, I think, and it ran in the Hearst newspapers, and they're set in the Southwest, but it's very artistic, both the writing and the drawing, and so we both felt the need of having a very distinctive sort of cartoony place where it, it took place, so I think that, you know, it, it turned out the way we wanted. So do we have questions from the audience? So you mean you, mean you have questions about Yaki? right? The, yeah. the bully. And that question comes up from young people all the time. They want to know, why didn't you tell me more about Yaki? And I will tell you why I didn't, because she is so powerful. She only appears in the novel four times, and yet you feel yeah. her like on every page. Like you turn every page going, oh, is she there? You know, it's really, she's a scary thing. And so my feeling about that is that she really could carry an entire novel herself. Because the reason nobody comes into the world saying, I'm going to kick your ass. Or, nobody comes in that way. They come in innocent and beautiful, and then we break them over time. And so I think that she does deserve her own novel. In this one, I was telling the story of what it feels like to be on the receiving end of something so damaging. But Yaki herself was on the receiving end of something that damaged her to that point. So the sort of exciting parentheses here is that I don't have very many details, and don't get too excited because these things take years and they often amount to nothing. <laughs> but I've been approached to consider it as a television series with a film studio in Mexico that's in, in partnership with film studios here. And in talking to me, they asked me, well, what are you afraid that we'll do to your book? And, right, because I was like, well, eh. and then what would you like to see us do with your book? Because it's going to be something else, right? She's in high school. They have lots of characters they could build on for many years. I said, my fear is that you're going to reduce the Latina girls to stereotype. And I worked really hard not to do that. So if you're going to create girls that are Latina in this novel, as you're going to have to, I want them to represent the whole range. And I said to them, the question a lot of kids have is about Yaki, so this might be your chance to tell us what happened to Yaki. Why is she so bent on hurting other people in this way? So in film form, or maybe me someday, I don't know. Well, I think you have to realize there's only 24 hours in a day, so you do your very best. For me, what I realized with Chronicle was they were great at connecting it to schools and bookstores, but like what Meg was talking about, Reforma, they didn't budget for that. So I said, 
damn it, I'm going to do that, you know? So I pick some stuff where I go, this really counts, and I'm going to put it behind here. But I only have so much vacation time. I only have so much money to travel. So I do that. Another thing I just like to say is that when you write a book like, like Meg's with a swear word in the title, it means you have to jump over all these gatekeepers. And we can see that kids connect to it, but even teachers and librarians can say, I'm not carrying that. Another big one is scholastic books. They have book fairs in all the schools. So, you know, if you can get your book there, a kid can buy your book with their own money. But, you know, there's so many adults that rule the lives of kids, and then a lot of the kids we're trying to reach, they don't have the money to buy our books. I was super grateful that Chronicle put lowriders out simultaneously as hard in paperback. So the paperback is 10 bucks. It's more than, you know, like um, Baby Mouse or those, but it's, it's really good quality and it's allowed a lot of people access. So I think the price point is a good thing, having books available at different price points. I'm so proud to say that Candlewick has agreed to publish my work in Spanish editions and English editions because I feel strongly that families can connect around story, but in our families, many of us speak different languages. So I think the key is to be really analytical when you're trying to reach audience. So what I mean is you want to find allies in the librarian world. It would certainly be Reforma. It would be the people at We Need Diverse Books. It would be the people at CBC Diversity. There are blogs, key blogs and key librarian organizations that promote um, multicultural work, your program, for example. So you want to be really strategic and get to the people who then spread it out further uh, or farther. So it's really about making those connections and really finding out, because there is only there are only 24 hours, how you can invest your time in the places that have the farthest reach. We kind of talked about earlier those um, social media places, the bloggers, the, the Facebooks and yeah, Twitter well, and all of those. One thing I read, it was an author, and the, I, I have always remembered this. She said, you know, as an author, you feel pushed to create a blog. And she said, don't waste your time. Keep writing your books and go to the bloggers that already have the audience. And I think that that's really wise. I look for people that, you know, because it's, it's like you don't want to reinvent the wheel on everything. That's true. Well, maybe I'll read the descriptions of the characters here because that's pretty yeah. easy. So it's really hard to read a comic book to you, but um, I'll just read the descriptions of the characters because it's more narrative. So this is Lupe Impala, and she is an Impala. <laughs> Lupe Impala was the finest mechanic south of Vacaville. She could rescue a drop gasket, notch a belt, or electrocharge a spark plug, swish a swash plate, or wrangle a manifold with a twist of a wrench and a flick of her wrist. And this is Flapjack El Chavo, octopus. Flapjack Octopus wielded the wettest washcloth north of the Salton Sea. When he polished a car, he spun over the paint job like an eight-pointed ninja star flying through the night. And Elerio Malaria, he's a mosquito. <laughs> he's kind of wearing a zoot suit. 
Alirio was the best detail artist around. People were a little afraid of Alirio malaria. With a beak like that, they thought he might bite. But Alirio says, don't be scared, essays. Only lady mosquitoes bite vatos for food. And that was my way to get a little science into the book, too. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to just start on page one. And here it is. Yaki Delgado wants to kick your ass. A kid named Vanessa tells me this in the morning. Before school, she springs out with no warning and blocks my way, her textbook held to her chest like a shield. She's tall like me and caramel, and I've seen her in the lunchroom, I think, or maybe just the halls. It's hard to remember. And then, just like that, Vanessa disappears into the swell of bodies all around. Wait, I want to tell her as she swallowed up. Who's Yaki Delgado? But instead, I stand there blinking as kids jostle for the door. The bell has rung, and I'm not sure if it's only the warning or if I'm late for first period. Not that it matters. I've been at this school for five weeks, and Mr. Fink hasn't remembered to take attendance once. It's a girl near his desk who sort of scans the room and marks who's out. Move, idiot, somebody grunts, and I follow the crowd inside. <laughs> And the other thing that I loved about Yaki Delgado, it does not have a perfect ending. No. No, it doesn't. It has probably more based in reality. So both authors, thank you so much. Welcome. You've been listening to remarks made at the 2016 Tucson Festival of Books. Authors Kathy Camper and Meg Medina presented in the panel American Zaw breaking the color barrier in mainstream publishing. Sponsored by the Pima County Public Library's Nuestros Raices program, authors Kathy Camper and Meg Medina discuss their processes, challenges, and successes in making literature more representative and accessible. Cuban-American Meg Medina is the award-winning author of Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass, Picture Books, and Young Adult Novels. Arab-American Kathy Camper is a librarian and the author of Low Riders in Space and other picture books. This has been part two of a two-part series. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Shogger.